views expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, exploring solutions for life today. A presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Rock it out. Rock it out with Dave Fleming. And the Monty Man. That's right. Here on Entitled to Overcome. Welcome aboard, everyone. Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, a presentation of Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life. When, Dave? Today. Today. That's right, today. And uh, the topic uh, this week is uh, dealing with difficult people. Uh, Dave and I have already had an interesting morning because we live on a planet where there's other people. And when there's other people, sometimes you have difficulty. Difficulties. <laughs> Many... Many difficulties. Yes, indeedy. So I just I want to give a, a, a quick shout out, uh, really quick, to Mike, James, Raymond, Dean, Dewey, Samuel, Mullane, Greg, C. A. Dave, Peter, Deborah, Jennifer, and Marcus for all responding to uh, to uh, our question. What do you do to to deal with difficult people? And people had some interesting answers, and we we may be talking about that today. Uh, but before we do any of that, we we have this. I think. Well, it's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker! Yay! That's right. Who's going to clean this up? I don't know. That's awful messy. Uh, so we like to do a little icebreaker to start the show with. Everybody can uh, kind of stretch their ears. Uh, I got... <laughs> that was my ears stretching. That was your ears stretching? I got three. Uh, I got three real, real interesting criminal things to, um, to to do an icebreaker with here. The first one is the donut hole inside your soul. <laughs> Donuts and arrests appear to be linked in the life of a North Ca- uh, Carolina man, Bradley H. I'm not gonna. I, I can't give these last names out and, and just feel good about myself. So we'll just use their last initial. The 27 year old who was arrested after he won the donut-eating contest at the Elizabeth City Police Department's National Night Out Against Crime event. So that's good, right? Well, police in Elizabeth City say uh, that Bradley, who became champ by eating eight glazed donuts in under two minutes, then broke into a Dunkin' Donut shop right afterwards and has been charged with offenses including felony breaking and entering and felony safe cracking. So he goes to this police event. He wins the contest for eating donuts. And I guess it must have triggered him, Dave. His blood <laughs> sugar must have taken, got a, a blast and he took over. Oh, my gosh. I need to break into a Dunkin' Donuts. I, you know, I'll bet Was you, it next door? I don't know. That would have been even a better story. That would have been even better. 
Uh, here's here's the second one. Uh, talk about driving your car to work. Police say a man answering to a stolen car charge drove the stolen car to court. <laughs> wow, is that making him restitution? Yeah. yeah. Uh, authorities say twenty five year old Jonathan R was at Hartford Superior Court on Wednesday to appear before a judge on a charge of first degree larceny and tampering with a motor vehicle from February. Parking authority agents scanning license plate outside the courthouse found found a car that had been reported stolen. Police kept an eye on the car, and they arrested Jonathan when he got uh, inside and tried to drive away from the court after court. So he was charged with stealing a car, the very car that he drove to court, and then for some reason he was released, probably to reappear or I don't know why, and then got into the stolen car and tried to drive away and, well... It almost sounds like it maybe it was a, a second car that he stole. It may have been. So uh, he drove to work. Uh, and the third one, escape rooms. You know what an escape room is, right? So like a panic room? No, it's a game. So you sign up with a bunch of people, and you go into a room, and there's clues in there. And then you follow the clues to find out where the locks are to open up boxes and items to give you a ne- another clue, all leading to a way to get out of the room. Did they come up with a, a movie called The Cube that's similar to that? Yeah. Um, there's a Cube 1, 2, and 3, actually, which they, <laughs> they get a little old after a while because same scenario. Same, same scenario. Uh, well, two women who escaped from jail in Alberta, Canada, were apparently so confident in their abilities that they headed to an escape room less than 24 hours later. Another escape proved impossible, however, when the police officers surprised them within minutes. The scene unfolded Tuesday at SideQuest Adventures in Edmonton with challenges uh, visitors to escape locked rooms using a series of clues in a short period of time. So they go in there to play this game after they escape from prison. And when they come out, bam, surprise, they're back in jail. That has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's like the, when the, when you, uh, you know, (laughs) when they, they uh, send you a letter saying that you won the sweepstakes or they call you on the phone right? and they say, come to collect your prize. Right. Right. You know, and they're there waiting for you because there's a warrant for your arrest. Right. <laughs> Isn't that great? Here's your prize. I know, I just love it. I love it. So there's our icebreaker. Um, there you go. <laughs> and there you have it. La di da di da di da. Yes. What fun we have here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. Carl! <laughs> Particularly on um, dealing with solutions for life. When, Dave? Today. Today. So, Dave. Yes, Monty. <laughs> you, can call, you can call me Vid, too. Yes, yes. What does that stand for, Dave? David. <laughs> That's like the third Dave, time in, Dave, in the last Vid. two days that somebody asked me that question. David, very I, important. Dave, V I D. I I actually fell for it too the first time. Did you? Yep. Yeah. I, said, I was thinking about that. I'm like, where where did he come up with that? And so I finally had to ask him. I said, where did you come up with that? Well, where do you come up with with difficult people, Dave? I mean, I thought everybody uh, was just warm and fuzzy. Well, uh, 
there's been a few things that have come up this week that <laughs> made me think <laughs> that made me think about uh, uh, handling you know difficult people in difficult situations, and uh, it was helping with a couple of uh, clients with some scenarios. Yeah, and it turns out that uh, uh, <laughs> uh, God has a funny way of putting things together. So today's reading in um, uh, the Man Within. The man within uh, devotion, daily devotional. It says, uh, <clears throat> "I'll have to read this. This is, this is kind of cool." Uh, difficult people, March twenty third. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than than a brother. Proverbs eighteen twenty four. <clears throat> One of the most difficult pressures I have faced in my career has been having to deal with difficult people. I used to believe that if only I could get away from these people, I would be happy. Mm. Have you ever thought that? Oh, I'd yes. Just, just avoid them. If I could just go to the moon. Right. <laughs> get in my rocket ship. Anyway, this is, of course, was impossible. There were difficult people in every department and, and job I went to. So I concluded that I would never work again or I, I could learn or could learn how to deal with them. Uh, maybe opt to not work again. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be sweet. You could do it. Uh, typical people are miserable inside and want every everyone else to be as miserable as they are. They are insecure and compensate by controlling others. Difficult people bring out the worst in all of us. They remind us of people we have not liked before. They tell lies, gossip, and like to manipulate others. Maybe you have to face... Maybe you have to face a difficult person or persons every day on your job. Sometimes you may dread waking up in the morning to go to work because you know they're waiting for you. There are several ways uh, to lighten the blow of having to work with difficult people. Don't take them personally. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, don't take it personally. Mm. Not about you. Uh, What? Uh, what they say is merely their opinion. Avoiding these people when possible is not a bad idea either. Try to be assertive and avoid being aggressive or reactive because they can always uh, they can always be more so. Finally, turn to the Lord, remembering that He is a master at dealing with difficult people. Lord, give me strength and patience to handle difficult relationships. Yeah, and you know, I, 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 my, my first sponsor used to say uh, when I would tell him I'm really having a difficult time with God, and he would say, "Well, can you imagine the kind of difficult time he's having with you?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so interesting thing in there about uh, of, of maybe even avoid them when possible. I, there was a couple of of comments uh, on social media that said, uh, "If I can, I ignore them." Uh, or I, uh, I avoid them. Uh, Jennifer says, I don't deal with difficult people, period. And, and I I had to kind of tongue-in-cheek that one because I thought, yeah, we all do, just how we do it. you know. Right. And so avoidance is one way. Sometimes you can't get away from them, though, right? Right. And sometimes avoiding them altogether, you may be cheating yourself. And I'll give you an example, and then I'll just let you go with this thing. I'll never forget driving to an AA meeting, getting to the parking lot, and before I parked, I saw this guy's car there. Now, this guy is one of these difficult people. 
And it just a knucklehead, just, you know, no matter what you say, it's wrong. I mean, just one of these kind of guys is like, oh, really? So I see his car and I think, I'm not going, I'm not putting up with that today. And I turned around. I didn't even park the car and I went home. What I found out was that his car had broke down and it had been there for several days. He wasn't even in the meeting. <laughs> <clears throat> but look how it affected your life. Look how it affected my life. And that was on me. Right. You let it affect you. I did. Way. I did. And how silly did I feel? So what did you do uh, since then? Have well, you... when I, when I, well, now when I see people, I mean, so-and-so's car at church or anything, oh, boy, they're here. I just say, you know what? I'm glad they're here and not out there. And I don't let that keep me from doing what I want to do now. Amen. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this is, well... <laughs> you know, I was looking at the description of uh, difficult people that they talked about in the in the in the, the in the reading, and uh, um, you know, I I resemble that. Sure, me too. Most of it. I mean, not all of it. Yeah. But, um, so I can relate, right? Right. We we tend to point out uh, things in other people that we have that we are experiencing or have experienced, or we don't want to see in ourselves. In ourselves, yeah. right? And so this this uh, particular topic has been uh, something that's been very uh, near and dear to my heart, and it's helped me to to look at myself uh, in a real perspective. Yeah. Uh, in, in my life, you know, I have I have issues with perfectionism and control. Still, even in recovery, hmm, um, imagine that. Not as much. Not even, you know, not even a tenth as much as that I did before. But, you know, uh, when I got into recovery, it was all, I was all in. You know, so in everything they told me to do, I did like, you know, a hundred times more. Yeah. You know, go to meetings for 90 days. I went to meetings every day for almost two years. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, I know. I understand that. You know, uh, I had to learn how to set those boundaries and say no sometimes when I, because before. Right. You know, <clears throat> I would just say yes because I wanted everybody to think I was this great person and that I was, you know, all sure. in. And then I would, you know, piss and moan about it uh, because I had to do it. Right. And I didn't want to or I had something other commit. I had too many things going on and it's like, oh. Uh. Yeah. So um, a couple of th- situations happened to me early on. Uh, well, no, not even early on. It's quite a few years. Uh Let's see, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Okay. So maybe eight years ago, I'm thinking, uh, eight or nine years ago, uh, a couple situations happened. One involved uh, uh, one of my uh, home groups, and it was a meeting that I started, and we ended up moving to another facility across the river Mm -hmm. in uh, Wisconsin, and... uh, the meeting kind of was taking a weird turn. Turn, you know, you you got some people in there <clears throat> that thought the the you know personalities got in, involved and were trying to had their own agenda on how they thought people should interact and you know introduce themselves and everything else. I hate it when that happens, right? In Wisconsin, it in, <laughs> started out in Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Okay, but the problems uh, came into play when we moved to Wisconsin. 
Anyway, the uh, there's some people that were uh, part of the leadership and uh, wanted people to do things their way. Um, details really aren't important. But uh, I had a struggle with it, and I brought it up as a you know I wanted to bring it up as group conscious. Right. Let's talk about this, and everybody you know it probably wasn't the best idea because uh, there's a lot of people there that were newer in recovery and they were doing their own thing anyway. I, I put it out there. Um, the thing was is that what they were doing was causing other people to stumble. Gotcha. And one girl, in fact, relapsed and was in the hospital. Uh, geez, for I think three weeks. Wow. Yeah, that was her. That was part as of her a response result to- of how she was treating and treated in a meeting. My goodness. And so I tried to, you know, st- stand up and be assertive and and voice my concerns. Sure. And got kind of shot down. And so the Lord basically put on put on me that it's time for you to move on. You know, you you did your good work. You, you got this thing going, and now it's time for somebody else to take over, and you're not responsible for whichever direction it goes. Yeah. And it's time. I got something else for you to do. And mm-hmm. Was that hard? It was a little It was a little difficult. Yeah. You know? Uh, my feelings got hurt a little bit. Because it's your baby, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of how we are. I had to remind myself that the reason, the reason <clears throat> why uh, that I helped start that in the first place, because there yep. wasn't a meeting on Friday night in in our area, and um, but I had to look at also what what was the the whole purpose of that? I was there to help someone else, mm-hmm. and so I did my part, and it was time for me to move on, and so that was a huge le- learning experience for me, and it helped me out through other things moving forward. Um, and I don't have to be in control. It isn't about always about me. Right, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I just gotta let things go the way they're gonna go. You know, uh, don't interact with with those type of people. Um, which you know, some of these our uh, listeners you know, talked about. You know, try to try to avoid avoid them, try to ignore them. Um, I had to interact with a lot of these people on on in other situations in recovery. So it's pretty active in recovery uh, or community then. So it was a, it was a good learning experience, um, which, you know, kind of led me to another experience that I had at my church. Um, and this is one of the, this helped me out probably even more than that did. I was involved with uh, ministry and doing volunteer work. And, you know, my background is, is in the music business. And, mm-hmm. and so I volunteered to do, you know, the sound and lights and, Right, production and all that, and um, so we started getting some new volunteers uh, and then helping you know teach and train them. And there was a, a particular person that was involved in the ministry, and uh, you know, outgoing. You know, he, he was a very likable guy, and and uh, he was uh, plugged into a lot of different areas and a lot of different people. You know, a lot yeah. of people liked him, um, and so. I thought, well, this is going to be great. You know, bring another person. He has some some experience. It'll help take some of the load off me. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of my pride got in there because, like, it's like I almost felt like this is my <laughs> this is my area, right? Right. You know, because I'm there every week. 
for both services. Don't you know how much I, I put into this? Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. you know who I am? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic. Uh, but the thing was is that his humor was it was inappropriate most of the time. And he was very careful about, you know, how he behaved and interacted. And even on some of the men's <laughs> retreats, you know, things, you know, I heard stories about things that, that went on goofing and, and, and fun spirited things that I just thought was, wasn't really appropriate. Inappropriate horseplay maybe. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I steered clear from some of that. It just wasn't my thing. But anyway, this one particular day, uh, the guy made some comments, uh, sarcastic comments, that uh, about me pushing uh, a family member mm. of, of his down the stairs, and I thought it caught me off guard, and I was like, "Like, don't push my, you know, down the stairs." And I was like, "Right, what?" Because that's that's not even close to anything that I would ever do. Right. And I just was like, what? I was shocked. I didn't even know how to respond. I wanted to just pick the guy up and throw him off the balcony. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, being in recovery and, you know, uh, my new Christian walk, I was like, okay, let's just stop and think about this for a second. (laughs) Right? Is this me? You know, is this something that I'm doing or, right? you know, is there some, you know, and I was like, nope, this ain't nothing about me. And I told him, I says, you know what? I said, that's just, that's a totally inappropriate. Like, why would you say something like that? And in front of, you know, this person, I mean, why would you even go there? Um, oh, I was just joking. And I'm like, that's not funny. That's not even, I mean, how do you come up with some humor like that? That's... Mm-hmm. And so um, <laughs> I was very angry for a while. Yeah, I, I, I bet. I had to process it. So I stepped back a little bit, and uh, this guy would make comments, and he was basically trying to – he was trying to get a job at the church. And so he was insinuating his way into different things and, like, taking over. Like, that's my impression of what was going on. And I, and I had to sit back and pray about it and think about it. And, and I finally, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, the, the the interaction that I had at this meeting with this these people, inappropriate, uh, popped in my head too. And I was like, okay, so, you know, what's going on? You know, is this about mm-hmm. me or is it about him? Um, And so I prayed about it and then I went and talked to a few uh, people at church that, also worked with him and I found out that he had a lot of stuff going on in his life and uh, that's kind of how he deals with things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this inappropriate humor right and then you know he's working on it because I had to think about like is it you know what's going on with this person because I gotta I gotta deal with this you know we we work together yeah uh, we volunteer together, you know, at, at least once a week, if not three times a week. And so I have to figure out a way to, to do that. And so I got to know a little bit about more about the guy and, and I talked with him 
and found out that he's got some stuff going on. And so then now I have a better understanding of why this is going on. And I set those boundaries and I said, no, this, this kind of stuff isn't appropriate. And, you know, came to, came to some common ground. Um, but then God basically was telling me again, uh, it's time for you to move on. It's like, this isn't your mm. job, right. right? This isn't your, uh, this isn't what I have planned for you, right? Right. Your season was here. You, you've done good work. It's time for somebody else to <clears throat> come in and, and, and take over basically. Yeah. And at first I struggled a little bit with that, but then I said, okay, let's, let's do that. And so it was, I kind of slowly backed off, you know, uh, didn't work as many weekends and started getting involved with other things Mm -hmm. at my church Mm -hmm. and uh, in recovery community. Um, And I had school started and just a lot of other things got involved. So it was a good learning experience for me to just be mindful of what other people are going through. You don't really know. Right. We don't know. Most of the time we don't know the depth. Right. You know, we're like, we're, we, we say things like, what's wrong with them? Well, there's something wrong with them. And that doesn't mean that they're evil or bad or it, something's wrong, right. especially when, especially if the behavior's out of character. Right. If it is out of character, I know, you know, I have done this in the past. Somebody will do something and I just want to cut them off, you know, right at the heels, man. And, you know, and I'll have to stop and think, wait a minute, this is not them. So something must be up that has little to nothing to do with me right? because they don't act like this normally. Um, but then there's other people that that's kind of their MO all the time and it wears on you. And you have, my wife used to tell me that is this, this friend named Nathan. And she used to say, if you're going to remain his friend and remain in his life, you just may have to learn to tolerate his behavior. Otherwise you need to cut ties, but you need to make a decision. Right. That's hard to do. It is very hard to do. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, through through my recovery process, uh, with God's help, I learned to set some of those boundaries and who, right. who to keep in my life and who to, you know, kind of let go. But also uh, pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular person I'm, I'm talking about at church, you know, I got to know them a little bit more. Um, and... Most of the time, it, some of these have happened before, situations like this before. And if you just, you know, put yourself out there mm-hmm. and offer to help, you know, if, you, if you're if you able to, um, sometimes that's all that they really want. They, they want to yeah. know, they want somebody to understand them. They want somebody to listen to them and not be like everyone else and, you know, ignore them or, you know, uh, cast them off. Because that's what, you know, right? maybe that's what they're used to. Um, so try to try to try not to do the normal thing <laughs> everyone's used to doing. So I find out well what's going on, you know, especially if it's someone I have to deal with on a regular basis. Um, yeah, it's it's made me a better better person. Uh, some of the the remarks that came through, um, you had taught you had read some of them, and you had said to me that um, some people will respond to how do you deal with difficult people? What do you do? And some people will give us the answer that they think we want to hear the right answer. You know, well, 
I, I, I pray for them and I do, and, and that, that may very well be true, but sometimes we need to look at ourselves and say, okay, what do I really do with difficult people? Not what should I do, but because you can't fix what you don't acknowledge, right? So right. you have to say, uh, maybe I don't pray for him. Maybe I do cause a little gossip going on or, you know, I want to drag somebody else into my mix because this person over here is difficult and I, this is how I vent about it. Um, so, I, you know, I just challenge people that when it comes to difficult people, it's okay to say, maybe I don't deal with this well. Right. You know, uh, uh, Dean uh, had some good good responses that stood out, you know, silent prayer, right? Mm. Prayer for understanding uh, and ask questions and what is the best way to, to reach compromise because sometimes Ooh, that's good. we, you know, uh, I know that I try to pray about things and try not to react. Right. Uh, and then have to go back and apologize. But uh, it's asking for help, whether it's, you know, prayer or your sponsor or your mentor you know, uh, co-host, uh, it's asking for guidance if, in a situation. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, the old, uh, two heads are better than one or six heads. Are right. Better than one. I mean, right. Uh, group conscience, you know, it's all that stuff. It's, it's, uh, it, uh, is very helpful. The thing that I, uh, you know, and, and ignoring people in some situations that, that might be helpful, um, had a had a client that uh, struggled with this a little bit, and he said, "I just, I just don't have time for those people. If they're trying to trip me up or pull me off of the journey that I'm on, right? Um, I don't have time for them." Mm. And I thought that was a little harsh, but then I, I get it. He explained to me, I was like, "I'm yeah, I'm focused on going in a, in in the right direction, and I don't need somebody pulling me off my off my square." And so. I just tell them, hey, you know, I'll pray, I'll pray with you, I'll pray for you, but right now I can't, I can't co-sign this behavior. I gotta, you know, gotta do something different. And they're just, they're still out there doing well, you know, getting out and and part of the recovery community. Uh, the other part that you know, when I look at avoidance and ignoring and just letting it go, mm-hmm. don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Brings me back to why I had to change what I did, you know, in, a, in the situations with the with the NA group and the the, the, the coworker at church. Uh, the reason why I had to do something different, right? The only thing you have to change is everything, right? Is because I found as I looked back at my history that there are certain personality types that keep showing up in my life. Interesting. And I just avoided them or, you know, was negative or, you know, lashed out, mm-hmm. beat down, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I have to do something different this time. And so <laughs> I don't want these people to keep cropping up in my life. It's very exhausting, <laughs> you know, mentally and physically. Oh, my goodness. Isn't and it? so it's like, okay, now I got to do – that's why I had to do something different. You know, I get to – I get to uh, – try to understand what that other person is going through. Right. Um, because with un- more understanding that I can make better informed choices, uh, whether or not this is something that I need to change 
or if I need to help shore someone else up and pray for pray for them or pray with them uh, for help with whatever they're dealing with, mm-hmm. rather than you know the old gossip and you know dragging their, people in your circle and or personality is so dragging them out into yeah. the you know the, <laughs> yeah. the, the back, back forty lot yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah. So what about, okay, so, so we have different different settings when dealing with difficult people. Sometimes it's an employer. Sometimes it's an employee. Right. Sometimes it's that guy or gal at our 12-step uh, support meeting. Sometimes it's, like you said, that guy at church. Sometimes it's somebody that's living in your home. Right. And depending on to what degree they're living in your home. Are they a guest in your home? Are they a sibling? Are they a parent? Are they a child? I mean, there's, you know, there's so many different scenarios here. So let, let, let me pick one real quick. What about the person that lives in your home because they have nowhere else to go and you've opened up your home to them and they just don't want to submit to the rules of your house? How long do you allow that difficult person to live in your home? Yeah, are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking <laughs> you. Because many of us have done this for people yeah, over the years. Right. We've, we've done it. I had a guy in AA tell me, you just need to take the mission sign off your door. And, and at the time, <laughs> he was right. Um, but but uh, that can be really tricky because you can fall into codependency really fast when you open up your heart and your home like that. Well, you know, I I have boundaries that I've set that I don't I don't do that. Right. But if I were to do that, mm-hmm. you know, it would be you know same as what I would do with with my kids. With your own kids, with right? Their, when they become adults, it's like even if they're adults, it's like there's still rules, right? You right. live in my house. Here's the rules, right? This is what I expect you to contribute. You know, I expect you to get get a job or be going to school. Um, help around the house, et cetera, et cetera. Curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, let let us know what's going on, right? So we don't aren't worried about you if you sure. say you're coming home at ten and you don't come home at ten. Um, you got to let us know what's going on so we don't call the police or go out and hunt you down. Hunt you down. Yeah. Find out. <clears throat> so it's same same rules apply. You know, if, if you're even if I, you know, were to invite somebody in. <clears throat> say I had a guest house and I wanted to rent that out to somebody or let someone stay in there while they were trying to get on their feet. Same rules would be, would apply. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because if we, I know if I don't set those kind of rules, then uh, oftentimes people take advantage of that. Maybe not intentionally at first, but if they they find out that, you know, it's okay to just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. They'll just kind of hang out, and maybe they'll do they'll do that. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of my my take on that. You know, when you were said people living in your own house, I was thinking about you know even in in uh, you know I know my wife will be listening to this later. Uh, so I mean, she's okay with me talking about our situation, but there's been times where I've been that difficult person, right? Or oh, oh my! Or my wife has been that <laughs> difficult person, or my ah, kids have been that difficult yeah, person. Yeah, but I, I have to. I look at the whole scenario. It's like when I we were separated for a while, and when I we got back together, um, some of that old thought processes came up, and we had to. I had to show that I was a different person. 
that I wasn't going to react the same way, mm-hmm. that I was going to do my part, mm-hmm. uh, and then even more uh, sure. than what I was used doing before uh, to kind of make make up for you know the nonsense. And so I had to I had to be a partner in that relationship and contribute equally. Um, and so that I mean our our marriage has gotten stronger and stronger every, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I look at it. Is like if if we're whoever it is in your house, if they're if they're not contributing, you know, as as part of the family unit or you know the household. Then you need to have that discussion, and hopefully earlier than later that you set those boundaries. Right. I mean, with my even with my kids, you know, after I got, you know, saved and sober, and you know, and had some you know uh, significant time under my belt, I can't come back into my house with my family now and say and demand that they, you know. They they go to church and they stop listening to the you know secular music and they stop watching these you know movies that are that maybe I inappropriate mm-hmm. or I mean I raised my kids on uh, heavy metal and horror movies and so I just because my life has changed I can't all of a sudden come in and expect them to change everything yeah that, you can't go into their bedroom and say <laughs> okay all the rock and roll posters are coming off the wall right. burn your albums you know here's some striper. <laughs> Posters to yeah. hang on your wall? Yeah. They're looking at you going, who are these bumblebees? What? Right? Who are these? <laughs> you know, the old school striver? Yeah. Some people get that. Right. Other people are going, huh? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so <laughs> it's, but what happened is I was able to, you know, by walking the walk, doing the right thing, the next right thing, whatever that is, mm-hmm. encouraging them and getting involved in their lives, um, they saw the change in me. Right. And then it was there to stay. And everything, you know, my relationship with, with my whole family has just totally changed. And so I try to look at every other situation that involves people uh, in the same way. Is I like to treat them uh, with respect and ex- I kind of expect the same thing, right? Right, and right. If someone says they're going to do something, um, you know, kind of expect them to follow through with what they're going to say, you know, unless yeah. there's outside intervention that comes in and, and uh, interferes, but the same thing, like you say, with people coming in, uh, setting those boundaries again, boundaries, right. boundaries, boundaries, right? Because we have a tendency to pull the next time thing. Well, next time, <laughs> you know, okay, if you do that again, right. this will happen. Well, okay, we're going to show you grace because that's what Jesus does. So this time you get grace. You well, you showed him grace last time. Yeah, but it it, it can be. It, it, it's rough to, to kind of make those decisions and not just for people that live in your home, but people in general, because we teach people how to treat us. Right. Right. We, 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 we really do. And a lot of times it comes back on, it's really our fault. If somebody is continually slapping in me and my, I asked my sponsor one time, I said, Hey Doug, this guy keeps pushing my buttons. And he goes, then why are you sticking your buttons out there? Right. Right? If you, somebody keeps slapping your face, why are you putting your face up against his face? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's us. We're the diffi- we're more difficult than the difficult person that's causing difficulty. Right. And I, I you know, I try to always remember the you know, the all you need is changes everything. And so part part of what you're talking about reminds me of, you know, apologizing. So 
I don't know if anybody out there can relate to this about, you know, the, I'm sorry, that'll never happen again. I'm sorry, that'll never happen again. Right. I'm sorry, that'll never happen again. Right. 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 And so it's like, I, I don't, I don't say I'm sorry anymore. Right. I don't use that word as out of my vocabulary. Yeah, I don't either. It's, I just do something different. Well, that's the difference How between can, apologizing and making amends, right? Right. Big difference. That's right. But it's tempting to say I'm sorry. It's easy. Yeah. I'm sorry. And we may totally mean it at, in the moment. Right. But, uh, and I don't know where I heard this before, but it's like, if you continue to say you're sorry, you're not really sorry. Hmm. If you have to continue. But, but, but I am. <laughs> if you were really sorry, you wouldn't do it anymore. And then you wouldn't have to say you're sorry. Right. So an amends is an amendment. It means changing something, right? right? It's kind of like repenting, right? Right. Turn around, go the other way. Right. Yeah. Sin no more. Yeah. Wow. At least try it out, too. Right, right. Uh, I like this one comment that comes from Samuel. So the question is, what do you do to deal with difficult people? Samuel said, (laughs) Al-Anon. Big capital letters. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> one way. I, I did that as part of my meetings. Right. My daily meeting schedule is uh, is plugging in an Al-Anon meeting, plugging in, you know, dual recovery meeting just because you wanted to get a variety. I wanted to look at different aspects from sure. different, different angles. Uh, Al-Anon was interesting. I went to uh, some some great meetings. Yeah. My wife went, my wife, the first Al-Anon meeting she ever went to, it, it, it's like some AA meetings really aren't AA. Some church, Christian church fellowships really aren't following the Bible. Some Al-Anon meetings really aren't Al-Anon. You know, so you have to shop around. It's okay to shop around. It's okay to find a home group. Uh, so the first one she went to was all about lose the loser. You got to lose the loser, man. Wow. You know, and she was like, I'm coming here to try to find out how to work on myself and stay married to the loser. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. And you're just telling me, kick him to the curb. And she's like, uh, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not what I'm here for. Um, and if she had stopped at that meeting and never had checked anything out, she wouldn't have learned so much that she had learned. So shop around. It's okay. It's okay to do that. You know, right. uh, We shopped for... The, the church that we were looking for, and we didn't find a perfect one, but we found one that, that fit well. Um, my, my home group, my 12-step home group, I found one that fit well. Not everything they do and say do I like. There are some difficult people there, but thank God they're there. They could probably say the same about you. They probably could, but they wouldn't dare. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They, and they do. Believe me, I hear it. <laughs> I have a radio show. Look out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So difficult people are here to stay, right, Dave? They really are. Yeah. And so I know since I've learned how to deal with the that personality type right. that keeps cropping up and uh, difficult people, uh, my life has gotten a whole lot better, a whole lot easier. Uh, I don't I don't get irritated. Mm. You know, I have peace. I have patience. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night and not be thinking about that. Every night. Person. Every night. Yeah. It's not keeping you up. 
That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It just isn't worth it. Just ask my wife. You know, my my head hits the pillow, and like 30 <laughs> seconds later, I'm out. Right. <laughs> right. And that's without any assistance. Right. Right. <laughs> no Ambien Dave. No. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what about people that uh, – okay, so what, what about when you're, you really are stuck in a situation that you can't get out of because you have to be a responsible person? Like if it's your boss or if you're working at Home Depot and the guy just won't stop riding your case and you're doing everything right, how do you deal with that? Well, there's no situation that can't be resolved or be gotten out of. Right. So – this is my take on it, mm-hmm. right? Life's too short. If that your job is that miserable, you need to go find a different find another job. job. You know, and yeah. and the other thing that often comes up is uh, we just take on these jobs because maybe it pays well, right? Right. Maybe the hours are really terrible. Uh, people you're dealing with are very terrible, and you really don't like to work all that much, but it pays really well. Well, to me. Uh, now for me, my quality of life is more important than uh, than money because money will always come. Yeah, right. If I'm doing the next right thing and I'm I'm working on you know what I need to do and helping people, sure, uh, it comes. Uh, not always the timing that I would like, but you know it always comes when it needs to come. And so we uh, being in recovery, we I think we should find you know something that. Uh, we enjoy doing that's in our wheelhouse you know we're we're gifted i just talked with a guy today about this very thing it's like you may have to get out and you know if you're coming out of treatment or something you may have to get your recovery job which may be working at mcdonald's let's say sure uh because the idea is maybe if you have especially if you have a family is to get out and do something where you're contributing right so also you're not uh, you, you don't fall into the boredom trap, right? And you're not trying to find the ideal job. So you're, wait, you're spending all this time and maybe things don't happen uh, as quickly as, as you need them to, right? And so then maybe you get discouraged. It, you know, one thing leads to another maybe and maybe and you could possibly relapse. I mean that – but if you just get in and do something, don't care what it is to get started and then while you're working – you know, while you're, uh, you know, helping out with the family and contributing and, um, you know, being a good citizen and, and role model, you can focus on looking for that dream job where you can take your time sure. and it's not, you know, an urgent thing <clears throat> and then find something that you enjoy doing because, I mean, heck, life's too short to be doing something that you're going to be miserable about. Right, day. right. Because you just come home and, you know, maybe take it out on your family or your dog. Yeah. Or, yeah, Cat. and I, and I found a lot of t- a squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times, what'll happen is you'll have the perfect boss and all the employees, and everybody gets along, and it's wonderful, and it pays horrible, or it pays really, really well, but the people you're working with are horrible. It's like there's there's no in between, and so you, you you get so so fed up that it's almost like well. I'm just going to get food stamps and collect welfare. I'm fed up with this. I could make more money on welfare, which, by the way, that's a justification for a lot of people because they end up making more money. Yeah. You know, and the problem with that is that destroys your self-esteem, your self-confidence. 
when, especially guys, if, if we don't have a job to go to, if we don't have a mission, so to speak, we don't do well. If we're just sitting on the couch and fed up with life, we're just going to end up becoming the couch, right? right? right. And that's all part of dealing with, with, with difficult folks. But I think we can find a balance just about anywhere we, we are. Well, and, and if, you, if you're in your gifting, you're doing something that's in your wheelhouse that you love to do. Right. Things tend, things, you know, maybe not happen right away, but things will will fit together. You know, uh, you know, you talk about the, the the dream job where the you get paid good money and you everything you know everything uh, everybody's great everything's great you know yeah. they're supported. I mean, I had that right mm-hmm. when I was when I was at Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. Um, it was a, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, money was good. Had a support system. Yeah. Um, and everything in place that that I needed. And all, if I didn't have something, all I had to do was reach out and ask for it. And it was right there. Wow. And um, so and it doesn't happen too often. Um, but also, you know, I got to do my part too. I can't just. Sure. You know. Yeah. Sit around and collect a paycheck. I mean, if I ever get back to the point where I'm somewhere where I'm just collecting a paycheck, it's time for me to leave. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And uh, it's interesting because there are people out there that think that Take 12 Radio is making all sorts of money and we're just, you know, we're we're, we're making money off recovery. And I've, I've heard all the stories, you know. Um, really? We get donations. Uh, we've got a couple of donors that, that if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be on the air. But nobody gets a paycheck here. And, and, and we do it because we love it. Mm. You know, we just I, – I can't imagine y- – doing anything else in my home because this is on our property uh i i really can't and uh, and by the way my boss he's great <laughs> he's great the ceo right. what a guy what a nice guy yeah, right? you, i think you should have informed me before we we started this venture that i wasn't going to get paid i thought we were getting paid oh yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know I, I, all kidding aside uh you know i've told my wife this too and uh, if you know, I didn't need to uh, have a house to live in and food to eat, right? Uh, I would, you know, I'd do this for free. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd be a counselor for yeah. free, yeah, absolutely. because that's that's my passion, and, absolutely. And that's, you know, God's uh, gifting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time to figure that out, but um, yeah, it's it it you know gets me going. So so let me ask you, because we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you, so as as a certified alcohol and drug counselor, as somebody that works with difficult people, right, Um, you must have days where you, you just want to, you know, go, I don't understand what's going on, <laughs> right? There's got to be those chemtrail days, right? It's like, ah! Honestly, no. No? Okay, so why I, I why find, don't you have those days? Be, well, because you know I, I you know I, I work on my my personal recovery, but the other thing is is I I look at every situation and every person that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the moment that they're in, right? And I also look at where I've been, and I try to look at like how would I want to be treated. And I find it challenging if I get somebody that 
says they're they're set in their ways and this. Yeah. Um, we can I can challenge you know challenge that we can look at that, or someone comes in and you know over spiritualizes everything and right. you know they've been to fifteen or twenty or thirty different treatment centers and they know it all. You know, got you know you can teach the class and it's like. You know, I could sit down and code. there's another challenge. It's like, okay, what's going on? What is going on underneath? Right. That's keeping you from being successful outside of a facility. And so that's what I enjoy doing. I mean, it really gets me fired up. I mean, I could walk. I, sometimes in the mornings I get up and I'm like, ugh, I'm just, I'm tired. Maybe I didn't sleep very well or whatever. Yeah. I stayed up too late yeah. last night uh, watching Walking Dead or something. And, uh, yeah, but as soon as I get to work, man, I'm fired up. The Walking Dead. Now, there's some difficult people right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't always do what you want them to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, once I get there, I, I mean, I get I get fired up and, you know, it's it, get, it gets energizing. So the opportunity to allow that to affect your emotional sobriety is there, but you don't allow it. Because you've grown in your recovery and in your walk with God to where that you look at it differently. I'm sure I'm sure when you first started doing this kind of work though, you must have had some days, right? There were a couple of moments. Yeah. Um my biggest struggle early on was, you know, being a perfectionist and mm-hmm. you know, trying to get everything accomplished. Well, I I had some really great teachers early on some great oh, there you mentors go. and so my first uh supervisor because uh, my thing is is like i i don't like being behind uh, you know, i don't i like being caught caught up, caught up everything. And, yeah and, and organized and <laughs> my wife's gonna laugh at this because i'm not <laughs> i'm not always <laughs> like that at home but it's uh you know and he basically told me he says you know what you come in you work your eight hours and you go home. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's another day. So finish whatever you got to do. Finish it tomorrow. If you can't get something done, ask for help. We'll get somebody to help you. Yeah. I was like, oh. I mean, I still would try to, you know, do a little bit over. Um, but they didn't allow us to uh, take any of our work home. Right, and so I tried to, you know, I stuck to that. There was times where I worked ten hours because it's days. confidential stuff, right? Right, but yeah. you know, I mean, I guess technically I could log in from my home, right? Um, but they keep an eye on that too, and so mm-hmm. and, you know, and that was one of those things that I that I knew that, and I didn't want to like cause any problems, and I didn't really want to do any work outside of because my life at that time was uh, had a lot of involvement in the recovery community. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it was the recovery community and my family. And so, you know, really didn't, and then school. And so I didn't really have a whole lot of time to, right. which was great. So I, need, I I learned to set those boundaries right away. Um, what was the other part of that question? Well, that, that, that at, in the beginning oh, oh, oh. of this work. Yeah. No, I remember something. So there's, well, I was, I was going to school and we were in the middle of, uh, we were taking, uh, Motivational interviewing was part of our motivational under- interviewing. Yep. Yeah. It was one of the classes for our in our senior project. And so <clears throat> I had this client come in, uh, you know, different culture, background, nationality, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
walked into my office and he saw me, you know, and he basically shut down. It's like, you know, he didn't say this, but I could tell. Body language. Yeah. You have nothing in common with me. (laughs) Right. And so I'm, I have, I don't want to talk to you. Right. I don't have nothing to say. I don't have nothing to share. Yeah. And so I, for, I don't know, it was at least three weeks we would meet and it was the same thing. It would just, I have nothing. I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my supervisor, I said, what do I do? Mm-hmm. He says, well, just have him sit there and do homework. You know, uh, go through uh, his assignments with him or whatever. Um, and I thought, well, I really don't want to do that because, you know, I, I have a hard time. It just seemed like it was unethical to sit there and spend an, an hour right. watching the guy sit in the, in the corner in the chair uh, doing his homework. I mean, so... <clears throat> I said, okay, uh, you know, I'll think about that. But then I remembered the MI class, right? And so I said, oh, I'm going to put this to practice. So I basically threw all the counseling stuff, you know, the typical, you know. Right, right. uh, Stuff out the window, and I just basically sat down and got to know him. So I I talked to him about what what he's interested in, what is his his goals outside of treatment, what is it? his plans and dreams and all that stuff, you know, and we started getting into this conversation. He talked about, there was this uh, movie theater, small little movie theater in the community that was closed down Mm. and he wants to get some investors and open it back up and then do like the $5 movie. Right. And, you know, yeah. And I thought, Oh, that's great. And it was something we also had in common. So I, we were just, you know, back and forth and, um, and we just talked about, you know, I, I, we talked about him and what his likes and dislikes and and uh, what he's been doing with his life and, you know, kind of all the professional counseling stuff. You know, I was I was, do, I was an in, doing an intern. No, was I an intern? Yeah, I think that was during my second internship. <clears throat> and so um, I was like, wow, this works pretty good. So in, in this whole process, in the, before we got into that part of it, he had put a request in to have a different counselor. And uh, he he requested to go go over to Pete's group, uh, which is fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we had that interaction and everything went uh, went fine. And then he he actually switched groups. The great thing about that was is <clears throat> a few months later, when he was tr- transitioning uh, back into the community, he came and you know he shook my hand and he said thank you, you know. Wow. And he says, I, I really got a lot out of our sessions and I apologize for, you know, bailing on you. And there I, you, you know, go. I was like, you know, no, no worries. No yeah. worries. You know, um, and I had a, a same thing happen with another um, young African-American kid in my group. It was just he had a really troubling childhood and nobody took the time. Right. And uh, I just took the time to get to know him, you know, and, and and put it out there and try right. to be his friend. He actually wrote me a letter from, he, he had to go to, ended up going to prison. Um, oh boy. They wouldn't let him finish treatment, but he wrote me a letter and, you know, was, you know, thanking me and, you know, just went on and on about, you know, how much he got out of the group, the little bit of time he was there. And, uh, you know, gave me a hug before he took off uh, when, when he had to go. So, you know, I, I pray about, you know, pray for all those guys. And make sure that they're they're still, 
they're still trying to make a go of it out there. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That that's great stuff. So you know, if we give if we give difficult people a chance, because a lot of where other people just kind of blow them off, right? You know, we may be we may be surprised. We are out of time. Um, next week we're going to talk about old playgrounds, old playgrounds, old playmates, old playthings. We're gonna we're gonna try to venture into the uh, old stomping ground thing. Yeah, uh, facing challenges in recovery is 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 probably a good topic. Facing challenges, I'm writing this down, and that that includes like old friends and and neighborhoods, and uh, yeah, yeah, that because they don't just go away, right? I mean, we we've talked we talked a little about you know about what it's like when you're coming out of treatment. You know, all you have to change is everything, right? You're looking at spot. You know, what is it? You know, sponsor meetings. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about all those things. Difficult people. Uh, we want to talk about the ongoing day to day life experience and how to deal with just life on life's terms. Yeah. Because that that you have to do every day for you know moving forward. So if you want to uh, email us, if you've got a question or a comment, uh, we really welcome it. Uh, you can email us at Take12Radio, that's T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio at Comcast.net. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe on our YouTube channel, uh, you can do that by going to Take12Radio.com and clicking on the YouTube icon. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe subscribe for fun and for free so you can download the shows and save them for later or use them to share with other people. <clears throat> on our Podomatic app, you have an iOS or an Android, we've got an app for that, no problem. Go to Take12Radio.com and you can sign up for all that. We'll never spam you. We'll just give you updates on the shows. Our closing song is by Joe Walsh, and it is entitled One Day at a Time. Hey, did you ever have something that was your favorite thing to do in the whole world and you had to stop? My favorite thing was drinking alcohol. I only got drunk once for 20 years. And I had to stop. So this song is called One Day at a Time. It's a new song, and it's about relevant stuff.
Joe Walsh, one day at a time, listening to our next broadcast. We want you to know that because of God's grace, you are entitled to what? To overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.